welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is Rico, and this is podcast 237 for July the 26th, 2009. Today, or, well, on this edition of Treks in Sci-Fi, we're going to be looking at a Deep Space Nine episode, uh, a fun little episode from season four called Little Green Men. That uh, I will be covering, uh, doing a full commentary, I think, on that episode uh, coming up here on the podcast. We're going to talk about some sci-fi news, Trek stuff, of course, and other things. Uh, uh, I think that's about it. Sit back, relax, and uh, get ready for the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Again, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi once again, or maybe for the first time. Uh, I try to, uh, every once in a while, welcome any people that have just finally discovered uh, this podcast, or, or maybe podcasts in general. I know that I've been uh, involved in doing it for a long time, but there's always new people, you know, first getting an iPod or another MP3 player. Or just tuning in online. So uh, welcome to uh, the show, to one and all. Uh, this uh, past week, I'll, I'll just, just kind of chat for a, a minute or a couple minutes here. I've been pretty busy and been doing a lot of work around my house the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I think, I guess, a little bit of that has to do with this idea or potential possibility of, of moving. Although I still have not heard back from uh, the interview place that I talked to uh Almost two weeks ago in South Carolina, I think I'm still uh, in the running. I did actually have a little email back and forth with them last week. They had told me uh, in so many words that they had some uh, uh, things that had come up that took them away from their uh, decision-making or processing of this whole deal and that they would uh, you know, get back to me soon. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm really hoping this next week I learn one way or the other. You know, It would be... A very big uh, move or decision, or of you know, a pretty yeah, it'd just be a big change if something were to happen. I you know, I, I guess uh, we just have to see how that all works out. I mean, I do, I do think I'm for, you know really suited towards the job that they have uh, available. So uh, we'll see. I, I just uh, you know, staying positive, continuing to uh, look for other things, and and kind of. That, but we've been painting a couple of another room in a house. We we painted a, a room a couple of weeks ago, painting another room. I've been doing some work outside of my house. I've been trying to fix a couple of problems with my uh, outside in ground sprinkler system, which is just so much fun. <laughs> uh, plumbing, I, I I think I've I've mentioned on that podcast maybe before a few times, but I'm, I really enjoy working in you know fixing things around the house, home repairs, and a lot of all that kind of stuff, carpentry, electrical. I, most of those things I'll, uh, I I not only um, don't mind, but I kind of enjoy a little bit. But plumbing, it's just something about it that I've never really, really had a lot of fun with. It's always awkward. It's always messy. And I, I guess that's not the only thing. I guess it, for me, it's it's just 
I don't know. There's something about it. I, maybe I, I I don't have all the best tools to do it. I don't know. But um, like the sprinkler system thing, there's some old valves that aren't working very well, so I had to replace them. Well, to do that, you got to kind of dig up the ground and get get everything out, and and it's just a pain. And I'm you know frogs, worms, besides all the bugs around, and I don't know whatever. It <laughs> this is Trex in sci-fi. What the heck am I talking about? Hey, let's get talking about some some Star Trek stuff, okay? What's going on the latest Star Trek movie? Let's find out. Okay, the movie uh, situation, uh, it's still playing, actually, in some theaters. Uh, probably about 300 or so, I think, that they're down to now nationwide. There's still some around here that it's still playing in. I, I've said for the past couple of weeks, I, I, I'd love to see it again. I just haven't... Seem to have gotten the time to go out and do it, uh, but it's been, uh, I think the last time I saw it was when I saw it in IMAX at the end of May, so it's been about a couple months. Uh, what else? It's, I think, over $375 million it's made worldwide now. It'd be nice if it hit $400 million worldwide. That, that, that would be nice in its box office release time, uh, you know, barring the big home video release, which is coming in November both on DVD and ver- a couple different versions, and also Blu-ray. That, uh, again, November 17th, I believe, was the date. Uh, there's some promo things up for it now. I-, I put some stuff on the forums. I'll try to link it in the podcast notes, uh, showing you a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff that they'll be putting on the discs uh, to show you, you know, behind. They seem to have really, J.J. Abrams and uh, what they did here is, and a lot of movies are doing this these days. It's not unique, but there's a lot of extra content. <clears throat> Excuse me, I need some more tea. Hang on a second. Uh, that's better. Okay. Excuse me. A little froggy this morning or something. Uh, there's a lot of extra content that they filmed while making the movie. Uh, deleted scenes, of course, but behind the scenes uh, footage and, uh, you know, things on the production design and the effects and the costumes and just a whole ton of stuff and they they seem to have really gone all out in in the stuff that they filmed and recorded for the movie while they were making this one i think partly is 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 due to the fact that they know star trek fans enjoy and like that kind of thing and it being a big effects uh kind of movie it also lends itself to that so we're going to have a lot of nice extra content on these discs when they come out uh, next uh, November to watch in our home theaters. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, there is a, um, uh, outside the movie, well, well, we'll finish with the movie talk, uh, and this is related, I guess, a little bit to it. The guys, the writers, uh, Orsi and, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Ah, I'm blanking out on his name. But the two writers, Kurtzman, that's it. Uh, they were at Comic-Con, which is going on this weekend. They are talking about... Uh, the scripting. They're also talking about the possibility that the next two films will be possibly linked in some fashion. In other words, maybe, uh, I don't know if they would ever think about filming them together. I think that would be an excellent idea. I, I think they've set themselves up for good success. I don't think there'd be much risk involved for them to film two movies back to back, but they're not. that's not really what's being rumored or talked about right now. The idea is, though, that they will not be miss. They will possibly having two movies that are connected in some way, kind of like Wrath of Khan and The Search for Spock. You know, there was 
sort of a cliffhanger-ish, you know, not super cliffhanger, but the end of Wrath of Khan, you know, with Spock's death and everything like that, left you know, left it open for definitely a follow-up to, to what they're going to do about that situation for the next movie. The You know, they're talking that the next two of these films might be connected in some fashion, like something might happen at the end and it might be left in some kind of a Empire Strikes Back cliffhanger. Who knows how much that'll end up being the case, if they'll be totally separate movies. You know, we'll see. You know, keep considering and keeping in mind that this is a whole new universe uh, parallel to the one we all know, they can do kind of anything they want. And it isn't like they necessarily even have to fix it in the next movie, not like with Spock. I mean, they didn't have to necessarily bring him back. But I know Leonard Nimoy, and they really wanted to bring him back after Wrath of Khan. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think I, I like connected things. I, I'm kind of a big fan of that. I've always liked series of movies that connect things, like these Harry Potter ones with the new one just out. Uh, the uh, what else am I thinking of? You know, there you know, there's been all kinds of series. The the Lord of the Rings things, for example. I don't mind waiting a year or two or whatever between them. And I think there's a, there's a lot of good reasons to do that. Uh, separate films that are totally on their own and standalone is okay, too. Obviously, with the same cast and characters and all of that. But the, given the, the right story, I, I can see the uh, a definite reason to have connected films. Uh, I hope they don't just try to do that on purpose. You know, I hope that the story kind of lends itself to, hey, this is bigger than maybe one movie can contain. Let's make it into two, perhaps. I don't know. It's all really speculation a little bit right now. They are starting to talk about it a little, and I I think in the next uh, maybe month or two there will be even more conversations as they work on the script. And uh, still the the word that I'm hearing is, you know, filming sometime in 2010 for a release sometime in 2011 for the next Star Trek movie. We will see if that uh, turns out to be the case. What I wanted to mention on the other uh, Star Trek front, there's a new animated uh, feature uh, by these guys that have done uh, some uh, fan films, the Starship Farragut crew. And you can see this over at Farragut-animated.com. Hyphen, hyphen, hyphen I'll put uh, the links in the podcast notes. But uh, what they've basically done is they've styled the, this animation after, very much like the uh, Star Trek animated series that aired in the early 70s that I talked about on a recent podcast when we covered uh, one of the animated episodes. Uh, I think the Slaver Weapon a couple of weeks ago I talked about. These guys have uh, matched the uh, the look of the animation, even the music and the style and the, the, the way the camera moves around them, and very fairly simplistic uh, animation. And uh, again, the, this is a fan film series, nothing uh, officially sanctioned or anything like that, but it's fun. And you can see these on uh, YouTube or, again, at their website that itself, Farragut-Animated. Dot com in it, and it's worth watching. I think the acting could be a little bit better. I mean, these guys are just fans, and I don't think they're. I didn't look into their all their, you know, backgrounds. I don't think they're professional actors by any means, but uh, I think they could jazz it up a little bit and, uh, you know, make make it a little more emotional. It's a little it's a little dry when you listen to it, uh, or it's just at least, especially the captain. I thought could could get a little more excited with his delivery of his lines, but. Uh, Anyway, well worth watching. Check it out over at Farragut-Animated.com. It's been called the best sci-fi fandom documentary since Trekkies. 
four stars, says Brian Orndorff of DVDTalk.com. Costume, gaming, comics, collecting, and everything else in between. If you're a fanboy, you've gotta see Pegwars. The geeks shall inherit the earth. Well, there's still the stereotype out there that we're a bunch of geeks who live in our parents' basements. 35-year-old living in the mom's basement, yes. Uh, that's the typical stereotype. I'm in my mid-30s and I still read comics and I tell people that I read comics and they look at me sideways. You know, I don't volunteer that I played me because, you know, people do sometimes look at you like, hmm. Today I'm dressed up as a Jedi Knight. Jedi Knights are the uh, guardians of peace and justice and uh, in a time like this I think we need uh, more of them. A lot of us are geeks who live in our parents' basements, but, you know, we're harmless. We don't walk around with uh, propellers on top of our hats. It's not really anything to be ashamed about. Yes, I make lightsabers in my basement. I don't care who knows. We do it because we like it, not as much as because somebody else likes it. If they want to have fun, dress up as a Klingon, why not? You, know? you may think I'm a geek or a loser, but I'm having fun at it. It's, it's what makes me happy, and I, you know, I, I could be spending my money on crack. Ordinary, common, average, run-of-the-mill, these are synonyms for, for normal. Who the hell wants to be average? I know that I'm a loser, I know that I'm a geek, but it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, for uh, a lot of people, a lot of geeks and fan uh, boys and girls out there in the world, uh, this weekend, uh, currently right now, and today I believe is the last day of it, is the big uh, San Diego Comic Con. I'm not sure what to year or version they're up to now of this big show I've uh, that I've never managed to go to. Been to a lot of conventions, haven't gone to this. Uh, we have been shooting around on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums of trying to every you know have everyone possibly uh, go there next year uh, or uh, or go to something and meet up in, in the near future. I, I think it's a good idea, and I'd, we'll see how that all works out. But anyway, Comic-Con this weekend, a lot of... This has turned into, uh, you know, one of the biggest sort of entertainment uh, media advertising venues of the, uh, you know, of the year. Really huge. I heard Johnny Depp showed up due to the uh, Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland thing that he's working on. There is a teaser trailer. I've got it up on my YouTube account, Trek SF, over there on YouTube. Just search for my name, and you'll see the, uh, I think I put it up in HD, the new cool, uh, I think it's about a minute and a half or so, Alice in Wonderland trailer. looks fantastic. I, I've always liked that story, and to have Tim Burton and Johnny Depp working on it seems to be very perfect. Uh, also some uh, Tron 2 or Tron Legacy, whatever they're calling it. Uh, there's some footage for that uh, amazing kind of, animation and light cycles you know from the old tron movie but definitely jazzed up and and more uh you know 21st century computer animation looking uh that's uh, around on the net uh what else has been coming out i'm trying to think of there were some more just still footage or still pictures from iron man 2 uh i was hoping to see more on james cameron james cameron's uh avatar film but so far, at least, maybe I should look a little bit more in detail. Uh, I, I would have thought there'd be some kind of trailer. You know, this movie's supposed to be coming out at the end of this year in December, I believe. 
And it's like, where is the footage? Where is anything on this? I mean, there's secrecy. And then there's like getting to the point where I think you need to start advertising this. I mean, he's been working on this thing a long time. There's definitely footage available. They could cut together a trailer. So I don't know what's up with that one. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen. Oh, there was a new trailer for the new Stargate TV series called Stargate Universe. And, you know, the basic premise of this uh, series of Stargate is that they're going to be a group of uh, individuals that are going to be in a far part of the galaxy or maybe even another galaxy. I'm not sure. It's probably another galaxy. Uh, but anyway, they're going to be sort of stranded on this uh, ship out in the you know vast, you know unknown parts of uh, space. Sounds a lot like uh, people are calling it Star Stargate Voyager, you know, like uh, Voyager was in Star Trek. You know, they're kind of lost in another another part of the galaxy. Uh, it, it looks good though. This new trailer really looks uh, pretty cool. Uh, somebody on the forum, uh, Warren Dark Molar Man, you had a good uh, thought on this. Uh, you called it kind of like the Torchwood of of the Stargate universe because there's a uh, there's a you know kind of some adult content. I, I don't mean I, I I hate to say the words adult content. It makes it sound like it's some kind of rated X feature. But let's just say there's a little more um, you know. Uh, that kind of thing in this trailer than you've seen maybe in other Stargate series. You know, it's still going to be on cable TV. It's still rated for, you know, pretty much all audiences. So there's only so much they're going to do, do and show. But it looks like they're trying to kind of, you know, jazz it up a little. It looks a little Galactica-like in that respect to me. Uh, I, I hope they don't go too far with that. I mean, I, I can understand it and uh, all that. I, I, I still kind of am upset with sci-fi and the, the fact they got rid of Stargate Atlantis after only five seasons. I mean, they had a good run, but I think they were really doing some great stuff still, and I was uh, sad to see that uh, series go away. But I'll be watching this Stargate Universe show when it starts in October. And i got to move along here. So one last thing. I want to start kind of, uh, who knows, I always start these little segments, and sometimes I do them for a little while, and then they go away. But... Uh, I'm going to play a uh, trailer to an old uh, sci-fi TV show, and uh, I don't know if I'll stick to TV shows or other things, but I'm going to play a little trailer, and I'll come back and talk very briefly about this uh, kind of cult classic show that I've enjoyed uh, first aired way back in the 80s. So listen to this, and I'll be right back. Those misfits... Misfits of science, ha, ha. Those wild and crazy scientific guys, I love them. Yeah, the old misfits.
Yeah, that uh, TV theme there is for a classic uh, TV show from the 80s called Misfits of Science, which only lasted for one season, uh, a real short season on NBC uh, from October of 1985 to February of 1986. Uh, There are quite a few things I wanted to mention just real briefly about the show. Uh, It starred Dean Paul Martin, Dean Martin's son who later died tragically in a, in a jet fighter crash. He was an avid uh, pilot. Uh, also, Kevin Peter Hall, who has now passed away as well, who was, um, uh, he played uh, in the Predator film. He was in the Predator uh, costume in that movie. We also have a very young Courtney Cox in this uh, TV series, Max Wright, who people later on know from the TV show Elf. Uh, he was in this. Uh, just a very cool series uh, about a group of superheroes who try to go out and kind of do good and help other people and stuff. They all have individual different powers. I'm not going to talk a lot about it. Maybe I'll do a podcast about some of these old uh, series like this sometime. Uh, the interesting thing about this show, one other thing, is that it was co-created by Tim Kring. Uh, for people who enjoy the TV show on NBC now called Heroes, he uh, co-created this show about you know 20 years approximately before he created Heroes. You could see he was wanted to create a, a show about sort of some comic book type characters with superpowers for television even back in the mid-80s. So I thought that was an interesting little uh, tidbit to bring up. Uh, I, I've always liked this show. I'm, I've tried to put it up. Uh, I, I've got to put more episodes. The pilot, though, I've got up, I think, on uh, geekplay.tv if you want to check out Misfits of Science over there. And I'm trying to get some more. I've got some more of the episodes to digitize and put up on that site as soon as well. So it's a fun show uh, worth checking out. So Misfits of Science from the 80s. Greetings, guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. And we're the host of a brand new podcast, Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast of the web series The Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season. Be it Season 2, which is currently airing on MSN Video, or Season 3, which is in the early pre-production stage. We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2, as well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! Yeah, that uh, that a little dated that promo there for Kenny uh, from uh, our forum, Kenny and uh, Jenny's podcast, Knights of the Guild. They've actually wrapped now, I believe, season three. Uh, Kenny had put up some photos or linked to them uh, recently, uh, and I believe uh, Felicia Day and I know Kenny's out at San Diego Comic Con this uh, this weekend, so I'm sure there's some guildy stuff going on there. I hope you guys are having a good time and uh, definitely check out. Their podcast, Knights of the Guild. Okay, it's time to uh, get into the main topic for this week. Let's get into the episode, and I'll talk as we go. Uh, this is from season four of Deep Space. Deep Space. Too early on a Sunday, I guess. Deep Space Nine's episode, Little Green Men. All right, everyone, gather around. All right, here we go with the episode for this week. When a young Ferengi goes out on his own, he traditionally raises capital by selling his boyhood treasures. As you know, my son Nog will be leaving shortly for Earth and Starfleet Academy. I'm going to miss him, and I know you will too. 
And what better way to remember him than to purchase one of his very own personal belongings? I don't know about you, but I'm buying these pajamas. That'll be three strips of land. Two. So, <laughs> let the buying commence. No reasonable offer will be refused. They're really uh, were able to work a lot with the Ferengi in, in Deep Space Nine. Of I didn't course. expect so to see you here, Mr. Wolf. Uh, a good job. And this episode focuses on personal them. request that I attend. He seems to have taken some interest in the young Ferengi. Well, the captain sponsored Nog's application to the academy. Ferengi at the academy. I'm not sure that is wise. Oh, I don't know about that. Not so long ago, someone might have said the same thing about you. You two better hurry, or there won't be anything left to buy. Nog, what is this? My favorite hollow sweet program. A visit with the pleasure goddess of Rix. Yours for mere ten strips of latinum. He'll take it. We'll consider it a gift. Well, you're too kind. Nog, where'd you get this spring ball racket? Out of a replicator? Try out of my quarters. This is mine. I've been looking for this for two years. <laughs> and it was sitting here on the bar all along. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Ferengi tooth sharpener. Worf wants the tooth sharpener. How much? Ron! Brother, you're here! If you hurry, there still might be some choice items left for you to buy. I'm not here for the sale. Kind of reminds me a little of uh, my recent graduation party for my son. Now, come with me. But the sale! It's over as far as you're concerned. The ship, it's here. What ship? The ship, our ship, my ship. The shuttle Cousin Gala owed me. He's owed you that shuttle for ten years. Ever since I loaned him the Latinum to start up his munitions consortium, he always said that if he became a success, he'd buy me my own ship. Now it's here. But why do you need me? Because knowing our cousin is probably defective merchandise. I better have a look at it. What a wonderful idea. Now get going. And leave the clothes here. So now they've sort of restyled this uh, shuttle here to a, to a Ferengi-style ship. All right. Tell me what's wrong with it. Nothing. The ship is perfect. Gala must have paid a fortune for it. You mean it'll actually fly? This ship could outrun a Romulan interceptor. We could take it halfway across the galaxy before it would even need a maintenance check. You don't say. And it's all mine. I can go any place I want. Maybe it's time you considered that early retirement we talked about. I could take over the bar, and you could fly off into the great unknown, never to return. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he'd to. like that, I think. Don't get your hopes up. The first thing we need to do is take this thing for a test flight. Someplace reasonably far away, but safe. Someplace like... Earth? Exactly. 
If the boy wants to go to Starfleet Academy, he might as well do it in style. Yes, brother. Thank you, brother. Uh, I'll go tell Nog. A trip to Earth. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Not to mention profitable. All I ask is a tall ship and a load of contraband to fill it with. That's Quark, always up to no good. Uh, while they're playing the theme, let me dial this down a little bit. I'll give you a little uh, little background on this episode. This, uh, this episode called Little Green Men, it first aired... Uh, back I think let's see it was 1995 is that right yeah November of 1995 it was the seventh episode of season four of Deep Space Nine uh, well established uh, cast and everyone's doing a, a great job by this point in the series you know they've always been but um, mid mid series I think on all Trek shows really were some of the best stuff they tried to break things up with this one you know and make it a little lighthearted and uh more adventurous than some of the other heavy Deep Space Nine episodes they had been doing. The uh, the story was, uh, the original story idea came from a guy, uh, people named Tony Marbury and Jack Trevino. They had uh, actually pitched it back to uh, the Next Generation folks, and they kind of had never really worked it out uh, for that show. The idea there, the pitch at that point, was that uh, with Roswell, around the time of this show, this is about the 50th anniversary of the Roswell alien whole incident, and what they thought was, well, what if the aliens in Roswell were, were people from like sort of the Star Trek era, aliens that we knew? And eventually they pitched it back to the Deep Space Nine folks, and they said, you know, the pitch kind of was real simple. It was, what if Quark was the Roswell alien? And it kind of went from there. The teleplay is by Iris Stephen Bear, who is one of the head writers uh, working on Deep Space Nine, and Robert Hewitt Wolf, who eventually went on. Uh, Wolf eventually worked on uh, Andromeda, Gene Roddenberry's uh, show after his passing that they did, uh, starring Kevin Sorbo. So, again, the idea here is this is an episode trying to use the Ferengi as the aliens at Roswell, which uh, I thought was a great uh, idea and, and a cool uh, concept. Don't touch the Dabagos, and make sure you keep your eyes on him, because he'll be keeping his eyes on you. And now Quark is kind of uh, talking to Morin and Odo, and kind of Good saying choice, goodbye Quark. before they leave for their trip. I'm sure Morn will do an excellent job as long as he doesn't drink up all your profits. Better him than one of my Ferengi waiters. They'd rob me blind. Hmm. Very generous of you, taking Nog to Earth. I'm a generous person. So I've noticed. Try not to miss me too much while I'm gone. I'll be counting the days until you get back. Uh, another interesting uh, side thing for this episode is it's directed by a guy named James Conway. I wonder how many hours you and I There was an, a movie here. that was done called uh, in 1980 called Hangar 18, <laughs> Just kidding. which but was, was about uh, you know the Roswell aliens and all that that he directed well, also. So him doing this episode was stuff. kind of poetic, really. It seems like we spend most of our time doing nothing. Maybe so, but I can't think of anyone I'd rather do nothing with than you. Same here. Knock. 
Doctor, if you're trying to return something from the sale... It's I... a going-away present. To help you get around easier on Earth. A guidebook? It's not just a guidebook. It's a completely interactive program detailing Earth's customs, culture, history, geography. Everything you ever wanted to know about Earth is right there in that pad. You mean it'll teach me how to attract human females? Well, almost He's not calling everything. them humans anymore. I'm sure it'll come in handy. <laughs> Thank you. I miss that. But I better be going. My father and Uncle Quark are waiting for me. Good luck, Nug. Make us proud. Thought that they had a nice idea here with having Nog go to Starfleet and, you know, kind of trying to use uh, the growing up period I'll, of time uh, for them walk you over to the change air. what they were working and doing and, and, you know, their future and all that. So, that was a good spot. The best. Now, Jake and Nog kind of saying goodbye, you know. Kind of always amazes me how how much taller Jake got versus uh, Nog, and I've I've the seen uh, the guy that plays Nog in, in, at a convention. Quark, he is a pretty Robin small Nog guy. On that ship, all the way to Earth. Glad I'm not going with them. Only thing Aaron Eisenberg, that's his name. No I think. one warned Earth that they're coming. Okay, so now they're on their way, heading off to Earth in their Ferengi shuttle. It says here that humans didn't even have currency until 5,000 years ago, uh, let alone banking, speculative investments, or a unified global economy. They're a primitive, backward people, Nog. Pity them. But think about it, Uncle. That means they went from being savages with a simple barter system to leaders of a vast interstellar federation in only 5,000 years. It took us twice as long to establish the Frankie Alliance, and we had a bi-warp technology from the... 5,000? 10,000? What's the difference? <laughs> the speed of technological advancement isn't nearly as important as short-term quarterly gains. Can't this thing go any faster? We're already exceeding the safe maximum cruising speed by two-tenths of a warp factor. Push it another tenth. This trip is taking long enough as it is. Relax, brother. I know chemocyte is unstable, but another day or two won't make any difference. What are you talking about? The shipment of chemocyte that you're smuggling in the cargo hold. Uncle, are you smuggling chemocyte? Isn't that dangerous? Dangerous. And highly profitable. Especially if you make a side trip to Orion on the way home from Earth. What tipped you When I engaged the impulse engines, I noticed the ship's weight distribution was a little off. So the last time you went to waste extraction, I snuck back to the cargo bay and took a look around. Where did you waste get to be so extraction. smart? <laughs> I've always been smart, brother. I've just lacked self-confidence. Of course, I could forget everything I saw. How much? 20% of the profits. I suppose you'll want to cut too? As a Starfleet cadet, it's my duty to report any violation of Federation law to my superiors immediately. But then again, I haven't been sworn in yet. I'll take 10%. It's a deal. I thought I told you to go faster. Faster it is. <laughs> so we kind of have a little of an idea now, maybe what's going to happen. Things maybe probably won't work out like they want. Brother, wake up! We're always uh, star system. Quark's plan seemed to always Take get messed up. 
Father, have you ever heard of the Bell Riots? Don't bother me now. But doesn't this Gabriel Bell human look just like Captain Sisko? All humans look alike. Humans. I thought I told you to take us out of warp. I'm trying, brother, but the warp core isn't responding. It looks like the command sequencer has been disabled. I don't understand. I tested everything. The only way this could have happened is if the command sequencer was designed to fail. You mean sabotage? There's a gala. He never did like you very much, Uncle. Okay, okay, no need to panic so the warp drive won't shut down. What's the worst thing that could happen? The ship could continue accelerating until it tears itself apart and scatters our remains halfway across the quadrant. There must be something <laughs> oh, that's we all. can do. That's all that'll Just happen, the yeah. Warp no, I tried that already. Emergency override the frozen... Then we'll have to try something else, won't we? The chemocyte! If we vent plasma from the warp core into the cargo hold, we may be able to start a cascade reaction in the chemocyte. Then we can modulate the reaction to create an inversion wave in the warp field and force the ship back into normal space. If my time is just right, I should be able to get us close enough to Earth to make an emergency landing. Rom, you're a genius. Think so? How should I know? I have no idea what you're talking about. Just do it. Hold on. where it almost looked like the ship vanished, almost transported. It kind of disappeared, and now Cork has woken up into some kind Wrong. of, like, an old hospital-type room laying on some beds. And there's a military guy here smoking a cigarette. Get me General Denning. Tell him one of the Martians is awake. The farmer found their ship. It's locked up in the BOQ, but I don't know how much longer we can keep him there. You keep him there until I tell you to let him go. Did you take care of that idiot in Roswell who told the press we captured a flying saucer? We've convinced him to issue a retraction. Turns out it was just a weather balloon. Weather balloon? We had to come up with something quick. Last thing we need is a bunch of reporters snooping around. You can't keep this from the public forever, General. Beings from another planet have landed on Earth, this is one of the most important events in human history. Maybe. We can't risk causing a panic. I'm not telling the public anything until we find out exactly what we're up against. This guy named Denning in this episode is kind of interesting. He was actually in the Way to Eden uh, original TOS episode. We get to hear Ferengi here for the first time, too. It's locked. What is this place? Where are we? 
I wish you'd stop asking that. I told you I don't know. The last thing I remember was Father taking the shuttle in for an emergency landing. Well, we must be on Earth. Where? One thing's for sure. This isn't Starfleet Academy. I wonder what happened to the ship. My ship? Where's my ship? Hey! Is anybody out there? What you do with my ship? I want my ship back! He's trying to break out. Don't let them hurt him. He's just scared. General, these creatures come from a race far more advanced than our own. There's no telling what they can teach us. We have to try to communicate with them. Well, you're in luck. The president agrees with you, and he wants us to try and talk to them. So that's just what you're going to do. Me? Look, Professor, we didn't ask you here just because you're Nurse Garland's fiance. I need someone to talk to these Martians. You're elected. This is a very much like an old throwback to like 1950s sci-fi type movies. All these guys think they're all Martians, they're smoking. But you had to go to Starfleet Academy. Don't blame my son. It was your idea to use Galen's shuttle. And you were the one who said it was safe. Leave him alone. If it wasn't for my father, we'd all be dead. Maybe we are dead. What are you talking about? Maybe this is the divine treasury. Oh, don't be ridiculous. The divine treasury is made of pure latinum. Besides, where's the blessed exchequer? Where are the celestial auctioneers? And why are we bidding for our new lives? Hmm? You don't think we're in the other place? <laughs> so we get to hear a little bit about the Ferengi's idea of the afterlife, too. The bar was showing a profit. Now we've got guys coming in, uh, military police, uh, with um, a couple other people. The professor guy, his assistant. <clears throat> Welcome to Earth. We mean you no harm. Did you understand a word of that? Our universal translators must be malfunctioning. <laughs> so they all start banging on their heads. <laughs> what are they doing? Maybe it's some kind of greeting. She may be honest. What are they doing? Maybe their universal translators are broken too. No, they don't have universal translators. I recognize those uniforms from my guidebook. They're from the 20th century. The 20th century? You mean we traveled back through time? More than 400 years. Those are military uniforms from one of the old nation states. Uh, Australia or something. So if they don't have universal translators, then why are they banging their heads? <laughs> They're just mimicking us. Yeah, because uh, Quark, uh, now he walks over to him and uh, he takes his fingers and he's wiggling his nose. Brick up tall, up through, kilo home boy. I'd always heard primitive humans lacked intelligence, but I had no idea they were this stupid. <laughs> they weren't just stupid. They were violent, petty, bigoted, and selfish. And we're stuck here with them. Maybe for the rest of our lives. 
Yeah, it was kind of a nice idea to have Nog learn, learn a little bit about the history of Earth on their way there. That was kind of a neat trick they did. So now they're doing some tests, checking blood pressure out of them. Grenfatarik Umarks? Yatafa? I've given them every medical test I can think of, but the only thing I can tell you for sure is they're not human. Well, that's a start. I think these two are involved in some kind of a grooming ritual. Look how the older one is taking care of the younger one. That's sweet. Maybe they're father and son. Wouldn't that be something? They've come from so far away, but they still have the same basic family structure that we do. I wonder if the third one's related, too. For all we know, it could be the mother. If she is the mother, she's quite a shrew. <laughs> I'm working as fast as I can, brother, but there must be some kind of interference disrupting our translators. What kind of interference? Uh, I'm not sure. Could be solar flares, or maybe ionic interference, or I suppose it could be beta radiation, but that's only produced by nuclear fission. Don't be an idiot. Nuclear fission doesn't happen within planetary atmospheres. It does here. In the 20th century, humans used crude nuclear reactors as weapons. They called them atom bombs. Uh, they used to blow them up all the time. They irradiated their own planet? If Nog says so, they did. He knows all about Earth history. You better fix those translators fast. The sooner we start talking to these savages, the better off we'll be. So there is a little bit of one of the things they tried to get across in this episode, sort of the dangers of uh, nuclear bombs and testing was one of the kind of, you know, they... Seems Always just Star Trek trying me. to get across some kind of a you message, so that was part of what they slipped into this kind of fun episode yeah, on its own. Rom is now pointing to her like uh, the woman's uh, hair barrette, uh, wanting I the little. I think he wants your hairpin. Yeah, he needs something to work on the translators. <laughs> if you say so, Professor. Here you go. Nipgren. Yeah, so now he's trying to work on now, Nog's translator in his ear. Button? Ouch, that looks like it hurts. Well, he doesn't seem to mind. I wish I could get some help. I don't know why we can't bring in a few more experts. Let's face it, Jeff. When it comes to beings from another planet, we don't have any experts. You'll find a way of communicating with them, darling. I know you will. Imagine the possibilities. Who knows what they could teach us? A few years from now, mankind could have rocket ships of our own. We could travel the galaxy, exploring new worlds and new civilizations. <laughs> Always the dreamer. That's why you love me. Boy, that That's sounds familiar, fun, doesn't it? it? Here we are in the middle of one of the greatest discoveries in human history. And all I can think about is what you're going to look like in your wedding dress. My mother keeps asking where we're going on our honeymoon. She thinks we should go to Niagara Falls. Who knows? Maybe we'll go to Mars. What's that disgusting smell? 
I oh, think it's called tobacco. Smoking. It's a deadly drug. When used frequently, it destroys the internal organs. If it's so deadly, then why do they use it? It's also highly addictive. How do they get their hands on it? They buy it at stores. They buy it? If they'll buy poison, they'll buy anything. I think I'm going to like it here. Another little thing Uncle, they got across I hope you're not thinking to try of doing to do in this episode. That a little kind of strong-handed. There's a thought. Changing the history of Earth could affect the entire galaxy. The Federation, Deep Space Nine, your bar could all cease to exist. Wouldn't that be a shame? Rom, hurry up with those translators. The alien ship has a small control area in the front and rudimentary sleeping quarters in the back. So far, we can't even figure out what drives the engines, let alone how they work. Yeah, you doing, big fella? You making any headway, Professor? It's fascinating. I would have expected creatures of their technological sophistication to communicate telepathically, but they seem to have a structured verbal language just like we do. Given enough time, a good team of linguists could probably decipher it. We're not bringing in anyone else. Too many people know about this as it is. Besides, we don't have the time. President Truman's an impatient man. He wants answers, and he wants them now. Jeff, General Denning, I think you'd better come inside right away. So now the, um... Things are gonna change a little because they got things fixed. My name is Quark, Chief Financial Officer of the Ferengi Alliance, and I've got a business proposition for you. So here we get, uh, you know, they fix the translator so each side can hear the other. I don't see any universal translator. Trust me, it's in there. So this gadget of yours is what makes it possible for us to understand each other? How's it work? It's simple, if you know how. You'd be surprised at the kind of things you can do with the right technology. Which brings me to why I'm here. I was wondering about that. I've been sent by my people to open up a market for advanced Ferengi technology. What kind of technology are you talking about? How would you like to travel beyond the stars at speeds you never even dreamt were possible? Or to transport yourselves from one place to another in the blink of an eye? You know how to do that? <laughs> That's only the beginning. We can give you the medical knowledge to cure your deadliest diseases. We have machines ah, that can quirk. produce food Always and looking for the profits and uh, what about I keep weapons? swinging weapons. at this net that's flying around here while I'm recording to today. I hope we I don't make any noise or hit the microphone. It's very annoying, not a fly, just a little or bug. quantum torpedoes. A little more expensive, but worth it. What do you want in return? That depends. What do you use for currency around here? Latinum? Dilithium? We use dollars. Dollars? Never heard of them. Don't you have any gemstones or precious minerals? You mean like gold? Gold is good. How much gold are we talking about? Seeing how we're going to be advancing your culture about 400 years overnight, I'd say a couple of million bars would be about right. Mm. As a good faith deposit. You know, Quark, you might be some kind of Martian. Ferengi. Whatever. But the more we talk, the more you remind me of my brother-in-law. Is he a businessman? He's a car salesman and not a very good one. And he's nothing like me. Bottom line is, I don't trust him, and I don't trust you. So before we sit down and sign any contracts, you are going to tell me just what the hell you people are really doing here. I just told you we're here to open up trade negotiations. If you're not interested, just say so. I'm sure I can do business with one of your planet's other nation states. In other words, if we don't play ball, you're going to sell these advanced weapons of yours to the Russians. 
I'd rather it didn't come to that. To be honest, I'd much rather work with you Australians. Americans. Whatever. <laughs> but if you won't do business with me, and the Russians will, who am I to say no? I'm not saying uh, we can't do business, but I don't have the authority to make this kind of decision. I'll have to get, uh, well, I'll have to get clearance from the president. I can wait. <clears throat> in the meantime, let me give you some free advice just to show you I'm on your side. You people should take better care of yourselves. Stop poisoning your bodies with tobacco and atom bombs. Sooner or later, that kind of stuff will kill you. What do you know about atom bombs? My people have been watching your world for years. We know all about you. Baseball, root beer, darts, atom bombs. It's quite a fascinating culture <laughs> you humans have here. That's all Kurt and really knows, the stuff he's seen in his bar. Be even better. Now, <laughs> I always enjoyed the root beer, too, that they always would try. Again, keep in mind, this guy used to, the, the general here is, um, played Adam in that old TOS episode, The Way to Eat. Kind of nice that they got a little casting in here from the past like that. Let me get here. this straight, Rom. Are you saying that all the women on your world walk around naked? Uh-huh. It's the law. You don't say. It's the law. Well, I guess I'm never going to visit your world. And neither are you. Now they're both in here, the scientist, uh, the professor, and his girlfriend, with uh, along with Could this uh, German Shepherd more? dog. Are you sure you don't want a doctor to look at that? No, I feel more comfortable with you. Uh, uh, <laughs> much better. You know, come to think of it, my ear's bothering me too. Father, how did your meeting with the general go? It's late. We should let you get some rest. I'm not tired. We'll visit some more tomorrow. There's something about that female that I don't like. She's so cheerful. What about the general? Is he going to let us leave? Don't worry. Everything's under control. Oh, I forgot to take that thing with them. <laughs> Now the dog jumps up on Quark. It seems to like you, brother. Get away from me. Hello, Quark. And he just changed Odo. it to Odo. What are you doing here? Placing you under arrest for attempting to smuggle chemocyte. Did you really expect me to believe that you were traveling all the way to Earth just to be nice to your nephew? You hid on board the ship. That's right. Now I'm stuck here with you. Now listen carefully, because we don't have much time. Someone could come in any minute. Your ship is in a hangar on the other side of the base. It sustained some damage in the crash, but the engines are still functioning. If we're lucky, we should be able to use it to get away from here. And go where? Even if we get out of here, we're still going to be trapped 400 years in the past. Actually, I've been thinking, if there's enough chemocyte left, there might be a way to get back to our own time. How? If we find a sufficiently powerful energy source, we should be able to trigger a temporal surge in the subspace continuum and recreate the same kind of time warp that brought us here in the first place. What do you mean by a sufficiently powerful energy source? We're not going anywhere. We're staying right here. But brother, what about the bar? 
Rom is just a little way too smart sometimes, you know, but of course they need to come up with something, some answer or uh, solution. You mean the military base? I mean the whole planet. Huh. A rom for you want. But these humans, they're nothing like the ones from the Federation. They're crude, gullible, and greedy. You mean like you? Yeah. These are humans <laughs> I can understand and manipulate. But, Uncle, what about the timeline? Forget this timeline. The one we're going to create will be better. Once we get things in order here, we'll contact the Ferengi homeworld and sell them our ship. The Ferengi will have warp drive technology centuries before humans or Klingons or even the Vulcans. We'll establish an economic empire. Not too much, really, before the Vulcans, based on the history they've shown us. But, uh... You do have a vivid imagination. But the only place we're going is back to our own time. I'll have the ship ready to go in six hours. And you're all going to be on it. I'm not going back. And neither is my ship. We'll see about that. Yeah, that uh, idea of having Odo here come in the past along with them was a good one, I think. Uh, it gave him a little bit of a balance rather than just being all the Ferengi there. And I like the fact that they kept it kind of hidden, that you didn't What's know he was General? on a the ship stowed away. I thought that made it more interesting He's not now. about to make a deal with these aliens until it's we It's a little hard to understand and how, how if they all got kind of knocked out in the crash, why Odo was kind of off on his own Don't like that, unless he was in a certain form or changed into a form when they crashed and they didn't really recognize it. Maybe he was like a, a piece of equipment on the ship and so they this didn't the realize it, but wouldn't lifetime. knocking him out change him back? Uh, I don't, know, I don't remember how it that seems worked. Awfully risky so. to me. The riskier the road, the greater the profit. What about rule of acquisition 203? New customers are like razor-toothed gree worms. They can be succulent, but sometimes they bite back. No, if there's any biting to be done, we're the ones who are going to do it. So now they're going to realize that maybe it's not so good to be, I think, in the past. They got bags put over their heads. Get this off me. Get this off me. I can't breathe. This is an outrage. I demand to see General Denning. If I don't get satisfaction, I'm taking my business to the Russians. The Russians. That's a good place to start. Why don't you tell me everything you know about the Russians? And now they, uh, they're injecting, uh, are going to inject Quark with sort of a little truth serum stuff that they've got. Which, of course, is gonna... <laughs> Would you please stop doing that? That's the fifth injection of sodium pentothal I've given him. It's not working. Their biochemistry is obviously nothing like ours. Then stop sticking me with those needles! Captain, this is wrong. These people are our guests. They're not people, they're things. Invaders from another world. That's Invaders up to us to put from an beyond. To planning. Now, if you don't tell me what I want to know, needles are going to be the least of your worries. You know, Doc, I've always wanted to see what a Martian looked like. 
from the inside. <gasps> Don't you people have laws against this kind of thing? Not when it comes to national security. Now, which one should we start with? The loud one? The little one? Or the quiet one? Now, why don't you tell us why you're really here? It was an accident! We're from the future! The warp core was sabotaged! It's all Cousin Gala's fault! I wanna go home! I want my Moogie! Moogie? You want the truth? I'll tell you the truth. We're advanced scouts for the Frangi invasion fleet. I knew it! Ah, what are you talking about? We've been studying you puny earthlings for centuries, and you're ripe for conquest. It's not true! Moogie! It's no use, Supreme Commander. Nog knows the way to handle it. But knowing our plans won't do them any good. Even now, 300 Marauder-class attack cruisers are orbiting your planet, preparing for the attack. Moogie! I'm telling you, this is crazy. Nah, tell him the truth. We're helpless. We're harmless. We just want to sell you things. Captain, I'm not sure I believe this invasion story. You scientists. You're like children. Always walking around with your heads in the clouds. Keep talking. When the appointed hour arrives, the marauders will deactivate their cloaking devices and begin transporting Klingon shock troops directly to the landing zone. Landing zone? Where? Tell me. Why not? Your feeble weapons will be useless against us. We will kill all your males and take your females to mate with. Where's the landing zone? <laughs> Good point, Nog, yeah. Untie me and I will show you on that map. You heard him. Go get General Denny. Tell him he was right about the Martians all along. Show me. The first landing parties will arrive here. Where? Here, right by this blue blob. You mean your people are going to invade Cleveland? No, not Cleveland. Right here! Hold it! Don't hurt him! It was an accident. I tripped. I didn't mean to do it. I'm really, really sorry. Shoot him! Well, now the professor took out the other guard. We're all grateful, but couldn't you have done that an hour ago? We've got to get you out of here. Won't you get in trouble for this? Why should they? We forced them to help us by using our, uh... Your insidious mind control powers. That's not bad. For a primitive female, she's pretty smart. Come on. Your ship's in Hangar 18. Come on. In a very classic sci-fi kind of situation where the professor and the smart people are kind of helping the aliens and the, you know, the military just want to take them out. Hold it right there. Again. Stay back. Just caught at the last or I'll minute. I'll disintegrate this hostage. With your finger? With my death ray. It's a lot like a finger to me. Now Odo appears behind them. Who's he? My hero. Can we please leave now? So now Quark's realizing maybe profit here isn't such a good idea dealing with these primitive humans. You're humans. sure they're going to be detonating an atomic bomb today. That's and now they're at Hangar 18. Isn't that appropriate? 
but I don't see how an Which is actually on the Paramount lot that they uh, found. This is one of their construction hangers. To trigger a cascade. Save your breath. It's much too complicated for them to grasp. 5 a.m., that's seven minutes from now. Don't worry, we'll get there. Thanks for your help. You may be humans, but you're okay by me. You don't have to thank us. I only hope that one day mankind will travel to the stars and take its place in a vast alliance of planets. Federation of planets. Excuse me? Uh, don't pay any attention to him. He's an idiot. Trust me, the galaxy is a pretty rough place. You people are much better off staying right here on Earth. Let's go, Quark. So they uh, learned Vast about this. alliance of planets. <laughs> you get the craziest ideas. The vast alliance of planets. Yeah, that's a crazy idea, yeah. They should have had her name Janeway or something like that. That would have been kind of cool. Now they just broke out of the hangar, blasted through it, and, uh, well, just kind of lifted off and broke through the roof. And took off with the ship. What do we do now, General? About what, Captain? All we ever found was a crashed weather balloon. Ah, uh, there we go. The classic, uh, supposedly you know, covered-up alien crash story of Hangar 18 we fly straight into Roswell. The explosion. Expose the chemocyte to the beta radiation and engage the warp engines. If we have enough chemocytes, we should be able to create a reverse time warp and ride it home. My dad, always thinking. If this doesn't work, I'm holding you personally responsible. I don't remember inviting you on this trip. <laughs> We're at the target site. Hold on! Now they're kind of flying right into a nuclear test blast. Oh, I don't like this. Rom, tell your brother it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, brother. I'm old. And they, of course, come out of it above Earth. They took a lot of time finding some old uh, nuclear blast uh, atom bomb testing footage to, to come up with that effect. That wasn't a new special effect. They found some old footage and used it. Good question. What's that flashing indicator? We're being hailed! Answer them! Answer them! This is Earth orbital control to the unidentified Ferengi vessel. Do you need assistance? Yes, definitely! We'll send a ship to tractor you to a docking facility. We'll be waiting. Well, son, it looks like you're gonna get the Starfleet Academy after all. Just remember, under that placid Federation veneer, humans are still a bunch of violent savages. Maybe. But I like them. I bet you can't wait to see the bomb ah, again. Telephone's the ringing, sorry. I could have ruled a galaxy, but now I have nothing. I don't even have my ship anymore. Look on the bright side, brother. You may have had to sell your shuttle for salvage, but at least you got enough for our passage home. Wait till I get my hands on Cousin Gala. You're going to have to wait longer than you think. Let's go. What are you doing? Taking you to a holding cell. Chemocyte smuggling is a serious offense. But you have no evidence. We used all the rest of the chemocyte to get back to the 24th century. Tell it to the Arbiter. I'm innocent, I tell you. This is all a misunderstanding. Rob, give me a lawyer. 
I'll contact Cousin Gala. I'm sure he'll know a good one. Rom, you idiot! <laughs> See you in a few weeks, brother! And now Rom gets to run the bar for a little while because of that. that's it there you go with uh little green men uh, from season four deep space nine again you know pretty light-hearted episode kind of fun i thought it was a, a great idea though and i'm glad that they finally did it where there was this you know the future uh you know the aliens they send back the ferengi and they they say that the, these are the aliens that were at roswell and all that and kind of connect that up uh with uh, the big rumors about Hangar 18 and everything that had gone on there in the past and the military and weather balloons. And and they got to throw in a few little things about nuclear testing and smoking and and a little, uh, you know, yeah, little Star Trek type of messages in there as well. So fun episode. Uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, for those on the forums, it's still up in the now playing theater there, probably for the next week at least or more. So check it out there. I'll be right back and uh, to wrap up the show uh, very soon. And I'm going to play, though, got a couple of comments about this episode from uh, some of the people uh, on the forum. And uh, I'll play those. I'm just going to play them back to back here, and then I'll comment at the end. So here's a couple comments from uh, listeners of the podcast. Hey, Rico and everybody. This is Rick Moyer, 777 from the forums. And I am just so thrilled that you're reviewing Deep Space Nine's um, episode called Little Green Men. Why do I like this episode so much? I don't know. It's just really fun. I think anytime there's a Ferengi episode... It just they just kind of pull out the stops and the the comedy and the timing of everything is just so well done. Deep Space Nine did such a great job. The writers and the the cast did such a great job of bringing the Ferengis to life. And I like the idea of tying in the whole Roswell crash, Area Fifty One. Um, this it's just fascinating. I think it was really fun and it was great. Some of my favorite scenes were when they uh, they're their uh, translator wasn't working correctly the universal translator i always thought that was funny anyway because you know what a great excuse to is how all these different races can uh, you know alien races can understand each other with the universal translator that we don't actually ever see and it's somehow you know allows the, their mouth to move at the same time you know it's all goofy and, and you just kind of have to suspend belief for a moment in order for that to work but I just thought that was great. And, of course, having Odo be the German Shepherd and turn in, you know, back into Odo and stuff was just priceless. Great episode. Fun, enjoyable, and kind of touching, actually, when Nog and Jake have to leave each other as friends so that Nog can go to Starfleet Academy. All in all, I give this episode uh, uh, four out of five stars because I really, really enjoyed it. Thanks again for reviewing everything. Uh, Rico, you're awesome. This podcast just simply rocks. This is Rick Moyer from Taking With You saying, see you next time. Hi there, Tricks in Sci-Fi. This is Mike. Just a couple of quick words on Little Green Men, topic of the week. Odd episode, probably particularly odd for Deep Space Nine, because that was more of a story arc show than perhaps any other Star Trek before or since. But having said that, it's not particularly that odd a choice for a sci-fi show in general. It seems to be one of the ones that the 
the genre loves to pick up on going back in human history and finding something on which to hang part of their show, a few of their characters. In this case it was Roswell, and I'm sure other people have, have played into that before, not least the series Roswell. But in, in the same way other people have, have tried to do similar things. I remember a scene from an episode of, of Babylon 5 where they were handling something in some form of court case and the uh, the throwaway scene of, of the case before the one that the story was focusing on was a human suing a shorter grey alien with sort of ovoid head with, with big black eyes, your, your stereotypical drawing of a Roswell alien suing him for abducting his great-great-grandfather or something like that and sort of playing back into the same era so here okay we were finding a way to take some of the story characters back into the past but but in effect it's the same sort of thing it's a nice little bottle episode it's looking back reflectively i think on some of the 50s b movies and things where, where a lot of this sort of thing certainly a lot of the the characters seem to be stereotypes from that era nothing outstanding that i have to say i mean good use of the ferengi i was like a ferengi episode poking around in, in Nogzia, trying to get the Universal Translator working, and uh, the glee with which they decided they could, well, go back and just start to sell things to pre-warp humanity. Odo showing up was a good surprise, I suppose. It brought in some of the ongoing story into this little episode. The thing with this sort of thing is I, I'm never that impressed with the way they get themselves out of it. Fly a ship full of chemosite near a nuclear explosion or whatever it was they were doing. Yeah, OK, it was probably a good story mechanism, but... Never that believable to me, certainly not that they'd end up right at the right place, or even in the right time. But then again, what are you going to do? I mean, you're, you're looking at a sci-fi series and they don't have a lot of options, certainly not in the 50s to get out of it. So yeah, it, it was an enjoyable episode all round. Anyway, thanks for having a look at it this time round. Cheers. Well, thanks uh, both Rick and Mike for uh, your comments uh, for this week on uh, Little Green Men. Yeah, uh, speaking to what Rick said, I, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in this episode. The Universal Translator stuff is especially fun. You know, you you kind of ignore that after a while with uh, the shows. I remember there was uh, an episode of The Next Generation where they first kind of really dealt with that, where they met some aliens that the translators had a hard time translating, I think, if I remember and it took them a while, and they, it, you were told sort of the way they work that after a while, the more they, they talked, the, the translator would eventually slowly work work its way uh, into their language and know how they did it. Of course, the translators are familiar with both Ferengi and uh, English, so they shouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, but it also makes you not always realize that on Deep Space Nine, they're all really walking around speaking their own language. It's just the translators that are allowing the other people to understand them, which is kind of a, a, a neat thing. Uh, what else? And, and Mike, yeah, they, I agree. I mean, the end of you know the episode where they kind of, okay, in five seconds pretty much, they just happen to be in a time where there's a nuclear blast going off. Rom thinks if they fly through that, gather up some radiation. I expose their, you know, chemocyte in their ship to that and everything will be fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's the same thing about how they go back in time, too. I mean, the, the, the very unique set of circumstances that take them back, they have to come up with sort of a matching way to get back uh, the other way uh, to a degree. It's, it's all, you know, it's sci-fi, so you have to sort of accept it to a degree. Anyway, that's it. I'm going to take just a very short break here and uh, we'll finish off today's show. Want to contribute to the weekly podcast with audio comments? Send them in to treksf at gmail.com or visit www.treksandsci-fi.com. Treks and Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty. This, 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 this
Okay, no uh, collectibles uh, this week on the show to talk about, but I did want to mention that the company called uh, QMX or Quantum Mechanics, that's Quantum Mechanics with an I-X at the end of that, .com. If you check out their website, I'll try to link that this week in the podcast notes. Quantum Mechanics has two very cool things uh, that are coming up, very expensive things. Both are are ship models. One is from uh, the TV show uh, Firefly. It's a model of the ship, the Serenity, uh, uh, the um, ship on that uh, show, which is very cool and uh, should be a a nice thing to have and, and own. And the other thing is that QMX is doing is a version of the new Enterprise from the latest, uh, you know, the J.J. Abrams version movie and all that. Uh, they're doing a very uh, nice, large-scale, studio-scale, about 35, 40, 34 or 35 inches long version of the new Enterprise with lights and all of that. Uh, they're going to be doing that, and they've got some photos up on their website, and that will be... Uh, I think both of these are going to be kind of pretty limited and kind of you got to get on their mailing list and uh, you have to sort of sign up. There are no prices listed for any of this. I'm basically betting for both of these with the most deluxe versions with all the lights we'll be talking, uh, you know, $1,000 or so or more, give or take. I mean, probably I think the, uh, the Serenity ship is a little bit smaller in size, so maybe not quite as much as the Enterprise is going to be. But both will be very expensive, I'm sure, and uh, but cool to own. So uh, check those out if you've got the funds and the interest over at Quantum Mechanics. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be covering uh, a very cool movie series, a favorite of mine. Uh, we're going to talk about the Back to the Future uh, movie trilogy. And I think to get us sort of in the mood, I'm going to play a little trailer for them from... Ugh. <laughs> I'm going to play a little trailer from Back to the Future uh, for you at the end of the show this week uh, to get you in the mood. And I hope, and as much as you guys can, even after you listen to this, do it right away. Send me your thoughts and comments, treksf at gmail.com, an audio comment about the Back to the Future movies or some other film, movie, book, TV show, anything you want to talk about, uh, send them on in and I'll play them on the podcast next time on Treks in Sci-Fi. Talk to all of you then. Bye-bye. Don't do anything. Don't interact with anyone. He said, get off. The consequences of that could be disastrous. Way down. 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 Back to the Future komt terug. Deel 1 en 2. Vrijdag 14 december bij Film 1. This podcast released under Creative Commons License 3.0. Share it with your friends and tune in again next time on Treks in Sci-Fi.